It's been said that nothing is more financially educational and entertaining than the total financial hour, except possibly two total financial hours. <gasps> you don't mean? Yep. The Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby is now two hours, Sundays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Oh my gosh! Great Scott! Learn about your financial power. The Total Financial Hour, uh, two hours with host Arif Halaby, Sundays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. here on AM 870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is pre-recorded and brought to you by Total Financial Solutions. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Now, hey, welcome to the show, the Total Financial Hour. On AM870, The Answer, I'm Eric Halby. Thanks for being with us. Hey, we talk about your family's finances, hopefully getting out of debt, managing money, planning for your future. That's what it's all about. When we talk about the, the financial world, I want you to focus on a couple of things. Uh, number one... There's nobody that's going to take care of your money, take care of you, take care of your family better than you. It doesn't matter who they are. If it's a fancy Wall Street firm, it's a fancy company, if it's a hometown company, why? Because your job is to always take care of you, not the government's job. It's not there. The bigger the government, the, lo- the smaller the citizen. You've heard that before. Well, it's the same thing. The bigger the company you work with, the smaller the citizen, meaning your values, your importance isn't always looked at the same. Now, look, I'm not saying there's not good individuals in every place, in every company, even in government service, of course. But I do want you to focus that you and your family have to learn how to take care of yourself. I don't mean uh, the the same concept of creating a, a way to take apart the engine in your car and put it back together so that when you go to the car dealership, you can make sure that you're not getting taken advantage of when they fix your transmission. That's not what I'm talking about. I met with somebody recently, and all he wanted to do was he came in and he said, all I want is about this product. Tell me about this product. I said, well, I don't even know if it's right for you. There's 35 or 40 different companies out there. doesn't matter. I want to know about this product. I said, okay, here, here's what I'm going to do. I mean, it took it was real, really kind of weird, actually, of all the times I've met with folks. He said, that's all. I said, I have a few questions just to see if it's even right for you. I'm not answering anything. Tell me about this product. I sat back. I said, look, how old are you? And he said, I'm 60. I said, you've been way more successful before. You ever had me in your life? You just met me a few minutes ago. So you don't need me to be successful. You've already proven you can do that. Nor do I need you. We've been in business nearly 23 years. I don't really need. uh, Listen, I want clients. Don't get me wrong. But the point is. Everybody can research everything about anything on your search engines. Go to Bing, go to Yahoo, go to the infamous G word. You can go there and figure out anything about anybody. Most of it might be true. Some of it may not be. Some of it may be exaggerated. Certainly a lot of it is perspective. So if he wants to learn that much about a particular product from a particular company, just go punch it into Google. It's not that difficult. So, I share that with you because I don't want you to think you have to become an expert in all of these things just in order to do business. You don't do it when you go to the donut shop. You don't do it when you go to the restaurant. Heck, when you get your brakes repaired, that's your life. Fam- that's, that's your family's life. You're not going to say, oh, my goodness, Mr. or Mrs. Brake Repairman or Woman. I don't want you to uh, you, stop, stop, back up. Tell me everything that you're going to do and start with 
where you went to school, uh, start with everything. I want to know the materials inside of the brake pads. You guys go, of course, that's silly. But there's a point to your understanding that you're the one that pulled up into the company. It's been there. You've passed it, you know, dozens of times on the way to work in the last few years. You know they're still in business. You see the people. You might even see them at the grocery store. So you know they're around, right? You've heard us on the radio for nearly 15 years. We've been here. This is what we do. My job is to not give you advice. If you think, and let's be clear for a minute, some of my fellow radio uh, and TV friends and family may not uh, necessarily agree, but if you think you're going to get financial advice of what to do, chapter and verse, step one to 10, from listening to anybody on the radio, you're, you're crazy. It's just not going to work. What you should do is you grab those as bullet points and you say, oh, that's an interesting conversation. Oh, this is interesting. Oh, this might apply to me. Oh, why have I never heard of this before? And then from there, it sparks a conversation. From there, it sparks some research. From there, it should start a meeting or two or three meetings, right? From there, it's an opportunity for you to learn whether or not what people are offering is right for you. It shouldn't be that you walk around town saying, I get my uh, diet advice from uh, you know Rachel Ray on TV. I get my financial advice from the guy who's pushing buttons and screaming and then also air from the radio. Those are my two financial team. No. You certainly do want to have different points of view, especially when there's so much money driven down the financial services world where Wall Street and other brokers can not necessarily do, but can manipulate things to their benefit. Right? We have seen it. I've seen it time and again. When people come to our office, they think they're paying $65 a year, $200 a year in fees. And in reality, they're paying, well, one of the, one of the ones we've had recently was $1,483, $1,483 a month. And she had less than two hundred or less than three hundred thousand. It was like two sixty, I think. Less than three hundred thousand, and she was paying one thousand four hundred and eighty-three dollars a month. The scary part was, she said, "I started taking money out last year, and I'm taking out about fifteen hundred dollars a month just to supplement my income." But it seems like it's going down a lot further. Well, yes, because some of the fees that some of these guys charge, they're not always monthly. There's nothing, 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 then quarterly. Or nothing, nothing, and then the end of the year, it's a big chunk. So sometimes they take it out every few months. Sometimes it's hidden fees inside of the way that they calculate your rates of return. So ask the questions, not just what are my fees, because they'll say $65 a year or $13 a trade or whatever. No, no, no. You want to ask, what is my total cost? You get it? Write this down. What is my total cost to own this product? If the total cost to own this product is more than you want to pay, then maybe you should make a change. If you're happy, then fantastic. The problem is most people don't even know what questions to ask, like in anything, right? That's why the, the web websites that are medically driven and these commercials on TV where they talk about pharmaceuticals, Tell your doctor that you should get ABC. If you're experiencing this, ask your doctor about this drug. 
so that when you go to the doctor, you can say, well, doctor, let's stop. I know you're wearing the white coat, but tell me where you went to school. Tell me everything about you. And before I go too much further, ma'am, I need to know, are you going to prescribe me this medication? She says, I don't even know your last name. No, no, no. Let me, let me back up. I just want this medication. I get it that you might come from a background where you need to, to, you know, to physically or psychologically be in control. But keep in mind, guys, that as people are retiring earlier, or, or sorry, uh, uh, later, and workers are, are going on this road of, of just being afraid, I don't blame you. The market volatility. Look at this last week. We've gone up. We've gone down. It's been a little scary. When your food, shelter, clothing, right, your expenses, when they come from your job, no problem. Let your retirement accounts go crazy. They can go up, down, up, down. No problem. When they're down, you might be able to buy more shares. As long as you're buying, buy more. But as you get closer to retirement and you're moving towards that direction of needing that money or some of that money to give you a predictable income stream. So in other words, your food, shelter, clothing now starts to come from your savings or your retirement accounts. You can't afford, oh, this month I'm going to take out 1500 Oh, next month I'm going to take out 600 Oh, the next month I'm going to take out 2700 Right? Unless it's just play money, then okay, whatever. But if you're counting on this for your food, shelter, clothing, if you're counting on this to live, to pay for your lifestyle, your traveling, your electric bill, whatever, then you might want to consider some options where you have a bit more of a predictable, guaranteed, secure retirement income. It doesn't have to be uh, something that is locked up for the rest of your life. Look, there are products. There's fixed and fixed indexed annuities. What's the difference between them? It's very simply. The floor or the guarantee is zero. That's it. You're not going to make less than zero. The maximum is probably 10, maybe 12. What's your average? Well, we don't know. Depends on the market. Depends on which five years, 10 years, Depends on the period of time that you select. What is reasonable to expect? I don't know. Three to six percent seems to be reasonable. Over time, three to six per year. Some years you might get two, some years zero, some years eight, some years nine, some years two, five, four. I mean, you get it? Because it's expected today for you to be retired for 20 or 30 years. In fact, if you're retiring in your 60s, I believe there's a statistic that says if you're married still, at the age of 65, there's a 50% chance one of you is going to reach age 95. So that means if you have uh, you know, four friends that you play cards with, look around. Statistically speaking, half of them are still going to be there at age 95. That means your ability to collect income for 20 or 30 years is a real, real issue. Look, part of what happens is when, when the market crashes, we get scared, and I don't blame you. I don't want you doing anything out of fear or panic, one way or the other, right? Greed or fear. Don't start running and buying the latest, greatest because they don't make any more. And don't start selling everything because you're afraid the world's coming to an end. I think you have to have some predictability. I think you, you need to have some consultation, some sitting down, some questioning. And that's part of the process. That's kind of where myself and the Wall Street machine just kind of differ, I guess. Because I don't think that there's always a time to buy, 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 regardless of whether you might get a sense of panic or a sense of greed. 
I think there's a time to sell. And it doesn't mean you go from the frying pan into the fire. But you have to decide when it's right for you. You can't expect me or somebody else to say, and uh, here's now. Because this is your money. Remember back what I said at the beginning. Your family's finances, they are expected. They are, they are derived from a team approach, not from one person. And look, if you ever think that one person sits in a room with a bunch of computer screens and all they do is manage your wealth all day, it's just not going to happen. Unless you're, you know, maybe you have family wealth and you have a full-time manager and this is all that person does is work for you, right? She sits in a room. She has eight computer screens. She never takes a lunch break, not until the market closes, buying and selling. Okay. But I don't know too many people that have that kind of wealth. I think your family, you might be the, you know, the J. Paul Getty Museum. Okay. Maybe they have a team of people that do nothing but manage their money. But I would say most people, they, they give it to a, an advisor or team of people. And then those people put it in a computer program. And like we've had recently, when the computer says sell, everybody runs to the exit. And there's not really a person that says, oh, wait a second. There's a feeling over here. Because remember, computers don't feel. They just read raw data. That's this whole artificial intelligence. Any minute now, artificial intelligence is going to tell us when we should do this and when we should do that. Look, I'm not that smart, so maybe, maybe that is the case. I don't know. I can barely turn on my own computer. So on the financial world, okay, great. I'm a bit more of an expert when it comes to, uh, to those things. But look, your family's finances, I don't want you to count on the 30-year time period between 1987 and 2017, right? If you're going to live another 30 years and the whole story about, you know, the history is not uh, indicative of future results and we don't know what the market's going to do, I mean, you get that? You know that. It's like you don't plug your, your your hair dryer and take a shower. You realize if you take a bath with your hair dryer, you will probably get electrocuted and pass away. You get that. So you understand that nobody can predict. And if you see, oh, this this particular fund has done 12% interest. Well, that's nice. What was the economic conditions? What was the international relationships? What was the trade deficits? What was the monetary supply? And on and on and on. Of course, the past is, has nothing to do with the future. I don't know, maybe 5%, 25%, I don't know. Maybe there's some portion of it that is. But go back to trusting yourself and not the government telling you what to do and what to think. You know, four major stock market crashes in 1980, between 1987 and 2017. Now, that's 30 years. If you're taking money out at the wrong time, you have to sell more pieces of it just to get back everything that you, you put in. So having some or part of your money in a safe place, when I say safe, I'm not talking about locked in a drawer. You're going to have to still trust companies. We use insurance companies. You can use any company you want. You can use uh, stock market companies, a trade. You can use whatever. We use insurance companies. Why? Well, number one, they have to be in business for quite a while. Number two is, have you ever known an insurance company to not protect its own interests? Right? right? I mean... Try to collect on a car that's been crashed or try to, you know, collect on travel insurance. Some of these, it's tough. They make sure. Are you sure this is you? Are you sure this happened? They're double checking everything. Well, you have a choice. When you put your money with an insurance company, we want them to be a little bit stingy because we want them to be protective of our money. So knowing this is critical when you're trying to create a plan to survive. 
you have to have some, I think, some or part of your money in a safe place, protected, away from the market's volatility. You're going to earn between zero and 10 or 12. Look, our job is not to make you rich. It's to help you keep from being broke. Uh, you, any financial professional who tells you, we're going to make you rich, we're going to double digit, we're going to gain. I'm going to tell you, look, you want to gamble with some of your money, that's fine. But don't expect it to be there in five or eight or 10 years. It might. You might have tripled it. Man, you might have picked the next Google, right? You, you might have picked the next General Motors who, who picks the car and, okay, fantastic. Or not. Win? You win big. The worst thing you can do in a market crash is panic. But I also think you have to protect yourself. You have to say, look, I'm willing to risk a certain amount of money. I think you have to be able to sleep at night. You might say, listen, I'm okay with a certain percentage of my accounts going up and down. Why? Because I'm not going to need it for 20 years. But this money I'm going to start needing in the next five or 10 years, I'm going to start moving it to safety. What is safety? Principal protection. Interest protection. But there's got to be a catch, Arif. No, there are two catches, not one. Catch number one, there is a time commitment, right? You can have an account that's a five, seven, 10 year, whatever. It has a time. The best ones right now, oh, there's like six to 10 years. That's what a lot of clients have said. That's what they have selected. Six to 10 years. What does that mean? It means that's the period of time that you have a fee or a charge, surrender charge, if you pull out more than the free withdrawal. Typically, it's about 10%. That means every year after the first year, you're allowed to pull out 10%. Pull it out, spend it, transfer it, whatever you want to do with it. Leave it. You can leave it. Take out more, you may pay a fee called a surrender charge. Right? Just like a, a CD at a bank or a cell phone, cancel early, you're going to pay a fee. Same thing. Cancel early, except for certain medical conditions. Right, assisted living, terminal illness. Sometimes there's some uh, some movement there. They, they reduce or even eliminate the fees altogether. Those charges can eat up some of your money, including the interest. So be careful. You're not going to put all your eggs in one basket. And the money you're going to put aside for safety, where you protect the principal and you get reasonable gains, the goal is to kind of keep up with inflation. The goal is going to be to try to stay above what you're taking out for a big part, if not all, of the time that you need to take money out of. And you're going to want to shift your thinking from building a diversified portfolio uh, of retirement assets where everything is at risk to designing a diversified portfolio of retirement income. Look, we work with your team. If, if you have a, a CPA or a, a guy who's a stockbroker, in other words, their job is risk. That's what they specialize in. Great. My job is to keep and protect and grow at reasonable gains. You have that, that uh, attorney that says, hey, this is how we're going to run a corporation. You don't ask the CPA, well, what kind of corporation uh, laws should I follow today? No, because the CPA's job is what? Accounting. Just like you don't ask the living trust attorney, necessarily. Hi, trust attorney, how do I handle this business dispute? You wouldn't. You would ask a business dispute attorney. Because you want somebody who's good at what they do. Every day, every week. They do it all the time. A carefully designed retirement income portfolio with your team 
it can protect you against the market crashes, give you reliable retirement income during your retirement years. You want to have some at risk? Great. We met with somebody recently and, and he had a substantial portfolio. He said, Arif, I want to earn, uh, I want to earn uh, an excess of 300000 a year. I said, okay, well, you're going to have to have a big, well, okay, I have $22 million. Well, that's a lot of money. We looked at it. Absolutely, we can do it. No problem. He said, well, what about the risk that I'm taking? I go, you could take risk if you want. But if you want safety, if you don't want to lose, there's no such thing as a safe investment, right? The word investment means risk. That means you can earn amazing rates of return. So investments like bonds and savings accounts, listen, uh, they can still go backwards, right? If, a, if an FDIC bank goes out of business, you have FDIC, you have insurance up to 250000 But if you have a bond that goes out of business, you may have an issue, right? So you have to check. Ask your financial professor. There's a problem. Can I get my money back? If the answer is yes, well, then fantastic. You have some security there. But you don't want accounts that drop substantially when the market drops. When I say market, stock market, bond market, doesn't matter, real estate market. How many people in 2008 said, oh, I'm protected because I have real estate? That's nice. It might have taken you six, eight, nine years before the market recovered what you lost. Can you afford to pay the bills for that period of time? If you can, you probably did very well then. But if you're in the middle of retirement, if you're in the middle of trying to collect guaranteed income streams, then we have to be careful of what we're taking out. We have to be careful where we are so that your family can have some predictability. Your goal, really, is to try to cover basic living expenses with these retirement paychecks. Or at least come close. And you're going to use layers, like maybe Social Security. You're going to use a pension. Look, some of the struggles with pensions and social securities are simple. They're just not giving you a cost of living increase, right? Their goal is to say, and you're retired at 2,500 a month, and that's about it. They're not really going to keep up with inflation sometimes. Sometimes they tell you right off the bat, this is what you're going to make for the rest of your, your retirement life. You're never going to make any more than this. Some of the pensions are going to have huge trouble meeting their obligations that they've already committed to. You've heard me talk about Cal Sturz. According to the Pension uh, Institute, PIU, simple. What do they say? They go, oh, it's about $100 billion upside down. $100 billion upside down. That's just the Cal Sturz, California State Teacher Retirement System. It says it's 68% funded. Now, these are it's about a year old, right? But it, just so you know, it went backwards from the previous year. So who knows? We'll, we'll see what the next reported. Maybe it's better. That means they have 65, 68 cents for every dollar that they're, they've committed to you. That's what they have in reserve. So I don't know what's going to happen to pensions. I think they're going to have to restrict them. It's just my gut feeling. I think they're going to have to make some changes. I don't know. But I do know there's not really a level of security or guarantee. Ask the folks of Stockton, California, San Bernardino, Mammoth Lakes, state of Rhode Island, Detroit, on and on, when people have tried to figure out, well, I had worked for this city, for the county, for the state, right? Suddenly they go out of business. The country of Iceland, right after, after Reykjavik, remember the, the great Olympics? Boom. Sorry, guys, we're not paying. We're going to reorganize. Puerto Rico's struggling. Every time you turn around, 
if you think that a because a city, state, county, they can't print money. They have to raise taxes. Well, once you raise taxes enough, because money is fluid, where do people go? They leave. Not poor people. They like the free stuff. They're sticking around, right? People say, oh, people, more people are coming to California. Yeah, mm, no, no. It isn't as if we have people fleeing Soviet oppression. Remember that? We'd have Polish and Czech professors, nuclear scientists, people that would come here, be very short-lived on any kind of government assistance, and then would immediately have a job at the higher income levels. That's great. My point is, today we're importing much lower wage and lower skilled labor. And the folks at the top are going to say, you know what, I'm kind of done. And so they leave. And they do the Texas, the, the Nevada. They, they go to different places. I want you and your family to be protected. When we come back, we're going to get into some of the changes that I see happening. Where are people moving to? Why? And how does that infa- impact your retirement income? We'll come right back on your place for news, talk, and information. I am Arif Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. Give us a call at 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, Arif has a financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. All right, we're back. All right, thanks, guys. Hey, listen, we're talking about your family's finances, uh, helping you get out of debt, manage money. Part of it is to know where you are, what the problems are, how to solve them, uh, and, and what the facts are. Let's cut through some of the baloney that's happening out on the media. You know, uh, I, I love this one. Uh, folks, how do you uh, – so many people in California, we are so fortunate to live here. Yes, we are. I was born and raised here. I love this state. But the total financial hour on AM870, the answer is not going to play the political hide-and-seek. We're not. I'm Eric Halaby, guys. All right, let's learn about these rules. Uh, here's a good a- example. You remember when your California registration fee? Yeah, yeah, it was a fee. Uh, oh, wait. No, was that a licensing fee or a registration fee? Well, they just put them both together. A friend of mine retired, or I should say left, and opened a business in Texas. His fee for his car went from about $650 a month to about $70. 0 In a state without any income tax in a state without this huge gasoline tax. In fact, it's about a dollar and 20 or so less per gallon there. Even more, $2 if you're getting in the top end. So every time you turn around, there's a fee. Enter a state park. I thought that's why you told me we were paying income tax and gas tax. Wasn't the gas tax for the roads? Why did the state Democrats take this gas tax and Move it into other places. Wait, how is that fair? Or and then they say, oh, now we need a new thing for... But you just told me that the lotto was for the children. right? You said the reason we need this lotto, which is this crazy transfer of wealth, who plays the lotto, by and large? Middle class and poor people or very wealthy people? So you are now taking more money from them on some false hope and you're moving it into the state system. So then you raise gasoline tax. Who do you think that hurts the most? Upper middle class? 
Or do you think it hurts people whose income is fixed at a lower wage? And yet those are the same people who keep voting for the same people who keep thinking it's a good idea to raise taxes on them. I don't understand it. But I think this is kind of interesting. There's about, what, 35, 40 million, depends on who you ask, 35, 40 million people in the state of California. What percentage of them pay the tax? I mean, do you even know that? You're, you're thinking when you drive down the freeway, all of those people must be paying income tax. You know, except for the homeless person right underneath the bridge that seems to be happening every time you turn around. There's another one and another one. Right? They try to open... They literally... Guys, do you know that homeless people on the, the state, city, county pieces, parts of your property, right? Some of it is uh, you have to pay taxes on it, but it's not really your property. You know that one? Parkway or the end of the street in the cul-de-sac, that kind of thing. Do you know somebody can come there and just put a tent? They did that. They did that to my my parents' neighborhood. They went to the end of the cul-de-sac where we used to play baseball as a kid. And one day they all woke up in the neighborhood and there was three or four people down there with with tents and tarps. So the neighbors went down and said, hey, hey, bud, what what are you guys doing here? You okay? What's what's happening? Well, this is where we're living now. They said, "But, but we live here and we pay property taxes. Well, we're not leaving. We have rights. Well, I don't know exactly what happened, but I do know that they left. And they found another place to go. But I can tell you that that is not going to be the last time that folks think it's okay to take over your neighborhood. Look, I'm a guy who has a lot of compassion. But when I was a Los Angeles police officer for almost 11 years, I guess, 10 and a half years, right? When I was a Los Angeles police officer, I would meet people on the street. For the years that I worked on the streets, I can tell you that I met one one family that was legitimately homeless. His wife got sick. He used to lay carpet. This was summer of 1991. I can tell you, I remember it like it was yesterday. And he got, and he was behind on his rent and they got kicked out. He had two uh, hefty bags of clothes. They had to leave the rest of their property. And he's standing on the corner of Temesco Canyon and PCH. And he and his wife are there and people are stopping. You know, they stop at the stoplight there. And, you know, we'll need a job, need a job. Don't give me money, need a job, right? The signs that people still want money. And so we get a call. Hey, hey, there's somebody interfering with traffic. By the time we get over there, I said, hey, buddy, come on over here. You know, you can't be there. You're walking out in the middle of traffic. This is a highway. People are traveling at, at big speeds. He said, officer, all I want is a job. I said, well, how's it going so far? He pulled out four business cards and they had phone numbers on the back. And they said, here are people's phone numbers. They said, give me a call by Monday. I said, all right, but you can't be on this corner. You have to be up at the, you know, away from the traffic, off to the side. I never saw him again. Why? Because he said, Arif, sorry, Officer Halaby. He said, I am going to be calling these people first thing, and I will take the first job that's offered to me. Why? Because he was too good to work? Or because he said, my family has to win, period. Look, I'm telling you, that was the only family. I'm sure there are others. I just never came across them. What percentage do you think pay the the tax in California? It's around, I'll just give you numbers. There's about 35, 40 million people, depending on the illegal population and and what you, there's about 1,000. That's it. They pay nearly 90% or more of the tax in the state of California. 40,000 
35 million. Now you might say, oh, Eric, that's not the only tax. There's other taxes. There are. There are. So who do you think will leave? Do you think the 40,000 have enough money to go get another house somewhere as you keep raising taxes on them? Do you think they have the ability to have a residence outside and just pop into California when they feel like having fun, visiting their vacation home or family? So they raise taxes again because, oh, wait, was that New Jersey? Do you remember when New Jersey did this? It was just about a year ago when suddenly New Jersey says, we are going to raise taxes again. And this is the nerve of the media, guys. This is incredible. And they say, as if to leave in the middle of the night, billionaire so-and-so showed up in Florida before he was in New Jersey for six months and a day. As if he left in the middle of the night. What? 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 You're, you're a prisoner? What is this? China where you can't leave your province without permission from the state? You know, that's the way it used to be. The reason the big tourism in China are mostly Chinese because they weren't allowed to leave. So New Jersey wants to enact the same. Well, you didn't tell us you were leaving. Well, no big deal. The guy was, uh, look, he's an owner of a hedge fund. The problem was his state, state income tax was $450 billion. $450 billion. That was his wealth. With his $450 million tax bill, what did he do? He turned around and he said, what? I have to, I, I'm leaving. So when he leaves in the middle of the night, he just showed up in Florida. No different. He wasn't hiding that he was shopping for a house. He wasn't hiding that he was moving his, his business. Right? As a hedge fund guy, he made a decision. He said, this is best for my business to leave the state. And so when they did, all of a sudden, you have a billionaire, David Tepper, that's his name, declares himself a Florida resident after living for over 20 years in New Jersey. He later moved the official headquarters of his hedge fund to Miami. Now, the state of New Jersey, what did it do? It had to create almost a state of emergency. In fact, they stopped all bills that were raising taxes. They had a special session in Congress. The governor had to come back in. The man who had fled to Florida, if you will, right, fled to Florida. Like, can you picture in your mind the guy's running and the tax man is chasing him with, you know, one of those hooks like in the old vaudeville days? You can just picture this. And he's like, um, sorry, your guys' set of rules? I said billion. It's million, guys. 450 million. Uh, you have a guy who says, look, I'm just leaving. I'm leaving. 58-year-old. My only question to him is why did it take so long? Why did, why did you wait? Did you think New Jersey was going to turn around? Why do you think people are leaving California? Now, look, I don't want to beat this up. I, I do a lot, and it's because it's a passion of mine. It's a little bit of anger. I mean, kind of a personal thing, really. Because I'm mad that they're chasing out good people. I was born and raised here. Lots of you were. Lots of you, your family came here for just a shot, a chance. Now, you might say, well, that's, that's all mildly interesting, Arif. I'm not going anywhere, except guess who's still here to pay the tax man? You notice they're not asking general neutral on things like tax man, because that's a bad word. <laughs> we want general, we want tax person. Who's going to, no, it sounds more evil when you say tax man with that hook chasing the man who's fleeing to Florida. You make a billion dollars and you flee to Florida. 
says the institutional investor. Then the taxman knocks. Is that silly? So I think you have to realize that as your family, so CNBC reports, another billionaire leaves, by the way, right? Well, as all of these people are leaving, they're doing so not because they, they, they're angry at their town. It's just a math problem, right? I think politicians who've never had to sign the front of a check, right? You've heard me talk about that. When people have to sign the front of a check, you think differently, you act differently, Things matter, right? When you're at work and you work for a company, you think the money comes from air. It doesn't. Look, I was a city employee for a long time. I can tell you there might have been a pen or two that made it in my pocket and, and, I, and it went home. Why? Well, because it was just a ballpoint big pen and I needed it and I took it, put it in my, my pocket, used it at work, took it back home. You might, oh, Eric, it's just a ballpoint pen. Yeah, unless you're the guy who's buying ballpoint pens and everything else. How many times do restaurants have to account for meat and liquor going out the back door? You know, that's a regular, that's a regular occurrence if you own a restaurant. If you own a grocery store or a big box store, you have to account for people stealing out the back door. You call that normal. It's not liked. It's just normal. And you have to build that in. That's why wages are lower. That's why prices are a little higher. Because they need to say, well, look, there's this much waste. People just throwing stuff out the door, right? If you walk through a grocery store, you knock down something on the shelf and it breaks and it shatters ketchup or mustard or pickles all over the floor. They sweep it up. It goes into the trash. Who pays for that? You just keep walking. You tell little Susie, you grab her by the arms, stop doing that. And you just go to the next aisle. But somebody... Somebody's hands made that. Somebody loaded it into a box. Somebody put it into a truck. Somebody drove it. Somebody unloaded it. Somebody put it on a shelf. I mean, do you understand? There's a cost. So we get that part of things, even if it's not directly. But what about taxpayers? How many times do you drive down the freeway in the middle of the morning or in the, in the afternoon, and you take a look to your left and right, and you see a city vehicle or a state vehicle or a county vehicle? And maybe... Maybe they're just coming from an emergency and they're going to an emergency. Or maybe, just maybe, there's something that they're just using their county vehicle for free. The city of Los Angeles a few years ago, when there was budget issues, they canceled a whole bunch of cars. I think it was one of those channel uh, TV news, local news stations who followed people around and they showed them, you know, uh, going to have dinner and, and eating tacos and, and restaurants and this. And, and at the end of everything, you know, they followed this person and they said, uh, hi, hi uh, channel something news. Can you tell me why you're using a city vehicle for this? All right. Well, the mayor hears about it and eventually they, they knock off some of these. Uh, we're going to take out 15% of the vehicles. I can promise you that didn't last very long. What do you mean? Because that's how it works. And you are the one that's paying for it. So your family's retirement, if you're saying, I'm going to stay here in California, how do I create? How do I build wealth? How do I get a consistent stream of income? You can't forget the back door, the leaks, taxes. It's hidden in all sorts of ways. You've heard me talk about car registration. You've heard me talk about licensing fees, right, where they just kind of mix it in there and they say, oh, yeah, your car registration is this. Oh, but the licensing fee, oh, that's a completely different formula. And then when you sit down and you say, well, how do I build 
consistency when all of a sudden property taxes. Now, you sit in your corner with your friends playing canasta and you say, you know, but I have Prop 13. Okay, let's go back. Let's play pretend for a minute. People are leaving just like they left of New Jersey. They're going to be leaving and they already have 9,000 businesses have left California the last decade. Thousands of jobs, a million, a million net, right? Millions of people have left. But by the time those, those that are coming in and plus those that are leaving, still a million people are gone in the last decade. Now, those aren't low wage workers. Those aren't, oh, well, that guy's on welfare. At least we got rid of him. No, no, no. That's a person who had a $25, $40, $50, $60 an hour job. It's gone to Virginia. It has left and gone to Georgia. So the point is, you might say, well, that tax is mildly interesting. But what do you think they're going to do with property tax? You think you have Prop 13. Well, yeah, that's for the property tax. But the property registration fee or, or the property assessment fee. No, oh, no, yeah, property tax, Prop 13. Yeah, we're not going to raise property tax. But the assessment fee, well, that's different. Did you want to keep your property? Pay this assessment fee. I think because it's the only thing you can't take out of the state. Because you can take your retirement accounts. You can take your 401ks and your IRAs. You can take your pension check. You can take your business. You can buy an electric car. Right? Gas tax. They've built this whole infrastructure on gas tax. Then they're giving you money from the gas tax so that you buy an electric car so that no longer will you buy gas. So, but, but they've already spent the gas tax money on other things and there isn't enough for the roads. And so, by the way, now we have electric cars where you can get virtually free electricity if you just go to the right you know, malls and just plug it in. But is it free? Oh, no, they use natural gas to power the electric grid to give you free electricity. So where do you think, with all these amazing wages and pensions, it's been reported, at least communicated to me, that there are thousands of people in the Caltrans system that are just duplicate jobs. And every time they try to get in there and say, let's clean up, let's, get, let's save some taxpayer money, the unions come along and say, well, you know, Eric, that's not, oh, it's not me, of course. They tell the, uh, the elected representative, you know... That we're just not going to do that. What do you mean? Uh, who's running the show here? <laughs> well, those are wages. Those are those are uh, people that are earning money. Yeah, you know what? But there just isn't any work for them. There's six people watching one guy dig a hole. Come on. So whatever the duplication is, there isn't accountability in saying you have to manage this this department or this agency better. So I think they're going to go after your wages they're going to tax you more on unearned income because as people are shifting, this is an observation, not a CPA, right? My observation is as people are leaving the earned income and they've sunk those dollars, uh, the, the tax brackets down so low and you don't have earned income because you don't have a job, but your unearned income. Now, my prediction is they're probably or get two different categories or classifications and just say, oh, you know, unearned income just might be taxed at a higher bracket or a different bracket, or a different formula. So instead of 40,000 people paying nearly all of the income tax for 35 million people to survive, and those 45,000 people leaving, taking their earned income and leaving, 
I think the, the difference is they have to make it up somewhere. I don't know. I've heard reports that we're going to have to, they say, file bankruptcy. I don't know about that. I think what they'll do is they'll just go insolvent, which is kind of like bankruptcy, but you can't really go bankrupt as an entity, municipality or federal government or a state, without certain permissions and approvals and readjustments to things. But I, I think what they'll do is they'll say, hey, listen, just like United Airlines did to its pilots, just like a client of ours who worked for a big defense contractor, right? He said, hey, listen, Air, if I was supposed to get 7500 a month, and they made a mistake, so a year later they said, oh, really, it's 5000 a month. So his pension, even though he'd been retired and moved out of state, tough luck. What do you do? I don't know. It's gone. Fine. Sorry. What we meant was it's really 5000 so you have to pay us back the 2500 for the next year, 11 months. Pay us back. So his pension last month was 7500 Today it's 2500 Big defense contractor, lots of money. I think like United Airlines, they said, hey, pilots, you were earning around 10000 a month in, in your pension. Been with us for 30 years. Great job. All of that. Now your pension is 4200 4800 I was on a plane with a, a pilot because they've changed the laws and the rules a little bit and allow them to fly up to, I think it's age 65. It used to be age 60. Now it's a little bit older. I think it's 65. And they sit down. And I told the pilot because we were stuck on the ground. The pilot comes out. He's talking to us. And he said, um, I said, you know, I had a client who's a United Airlines pilot. And this is what happened to his pension. I hope yours is okay. He goes, you think that's bad? I didn't get in on that deal because it was too late. I was too young at the time because you had to be a certain age within retirement. He said, mine is 1800 a month. I said, you're kidding me. He said, nope. I go, you're, you're a pilot of an A380. That's the huge, the, the flagship. Yep. He said, boy, what a mistake. I would have done things different had I thought that my pension wasn't going to be there the way it, they told me it was. So you and your family have to keep, of a couple of, uh, keep in mind a couple of things. Who is going to take care of you and your family? Right? Who? I think you can use life insurance. I think you can use um, fixed annuities, fixed in indexed annuities, CDs, savings accounts, things that have predictability. Now, look, there's a place that you might want to have risk. But I don't think you should put it all in one place. Right? This old one-size-fits-all because you're working and you're 25 and 30, it's okay to have some risk. Fine. Right? You did that when you were young. Remember? You bought a different house. You said, honey, let's pack up. We're going to move to another city, another state. Why? Because we're young. We can do it. When you're retired, you're not going to say, hey, let's pick up. I got three years left of working. Let's pick up and move. <laughs> okay. Where? I don't know. Let's just live in our car. We can do it. Like, honey, my hip. <laughs> well, sweetie, I don't think my back will hold up. So there's enough of you and me and us being out there trying to figure out how we keep in mind that your family's future doesn't really rely on one person, right? One financial plan. It has to be you and your family. You sit down, you think, you work with a team, you sit down and say, how do I build the wealth that I needed? And more importantly, and we're going to cover this on a future show, uh, you need to sit down and say, guys, um, how much do I need? And if the race is over, stop running. 
right? If you needed a $2 million in order to, to, to retire and you've made two and a half or three, then maybe you don't need the risk. You've already built it. You've done it. The way your lifestyle, your other sources of income, uh, you've sat with a financial planner, they've given you the terms, the numbers, and you go, look, the only thing I'm doing is making other people rich, right? Because somebody's feeing this money every single year, thousand, two thousand, three thousand $3,000, $3,000 a month. I don't need that anymore. I'm making other people rich, at least giving them a comfortable lifestyle. So part of it for you is to create your own wealth, your own system of guaranteed income. And that's kind of the, the formula that we talk about. You and your family need to sit down. We are available if you'd like to meet with us. You can meet with us at any time. Total Financial Solutions and TFS Insurance Services, uh, Insurance Financial Services, that's us. Our job is to sit there. We use insurance products to kind of guide you. We say, let's take some guarantees and some protection. You may not need those if you're 25 or 35 years old, but maybe if you're a little bit uh, older or you're getting closer to retirement, let's have some guarantees without the fees, without the risk. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. 888-99-RETIRE. You can always give us a call directly. Hey, it works now. It works at my office throughout the week. Uh, we just redirect it so you can easily call the, the office directly. Uh, give me a call at any time. That's TFS Financial and Insurance Services. I'm Arif Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour on AM870. Folks, hey, go go uh, to our, our Facebook page. You get a chance to see our videos and get a chance to see us on the web live during our Sunday shows, and then, of course, uh, different articles, things that are going on throughout the week. Like us on Facebook, as they say, and uh, we're here for you. I want you to, to reach out to your family, uh, have a conversation about what happens when you get closer to retirement. We're going to cover that on a future show. A lot of people are asking about this transition because it's a psychological transition, psychological transition of purpose and power as that starts to shift from the parents back to the kids. All right? Stay with us as we continue a wonderful year ahead as you listen to the Total Financial Hour, TFS Financial Insurance Services, and I'm Arif Hallaby. On your place for news, talk, and information, this is AM870, The Answer. Strategy. Learn from Arif Hallaby. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Now, Arif has a plan for me. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.